All right, we'll be in Genesis chapter 30 this morning. Uh, Genesis 30, good to be in God's house. Man, what a, what a blessed Savior that we have. What an uh, awesome God that we serve. And I'm thankful we can come in together. Um, be in Genesis 25. I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 30, verse 25. And I want to look at a, a story in Jacob's life. So you've got Abraham, Isaac, then Jacob. Uh, I want to look at a story in his life and see if we can learn something for uh, us today. I'm glad the Bible has something for us uh, for every day, has something for no matter what occasion. But uh, sometimes there are stories in the Old Testament that we kind of gravitate to and some that we, you know, we teach children. And, and what I found a lot of times is when you're going through the Bible, uh, and, and I hope uh, uh, if you didn't start up this year reading through the entire Bible, I hope you pick that up. Even if you're a couple weeks late, that's all right. Uh, just start reading it every day. Uh, so that means a lot of people are probably in Genesis if they started at the beginning. Uh, but one thing you'll notice is as you're reading through the Bible, you'll get one story that you think of a lot and then you'll get another story but sometimes we miss what's in between and that's why I, I say it's so important that we go through the entire Bible and get all the parts even though even the parts that sometimes are glossed over and, and I think this is one of these <coughs> stories that is kind of in between the bigger stories of Jacob's life. Uh, so Genesis 30 25 says this and it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph that Jacob said unto Laban send me away that I may go uh, unto mine own place into my country. Give me my wives and my children uh, for whom I have served thee and let me go for thou knowest my service which I have done thee. And Laban said unto him I pray thee if I have found favor in thine eyes, tarry, for I have learned by experience that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. And he said, Appoint me thy wages, and I will give it. And he said unto him, Thou knowest how I have served thee, and how thy cattle was with me, uh, for it was little which thou hadst before I came, and now it is increased unto a multitude, and the Lord hath blessed thee since my coming. And now when shall I provide for my own house also? And he said, What shall I give thee? And Jacob said, Thou shalt not give me anything. If thou wilt do this thing for me, I will again feed and keep thy flock. I will pass through all the flock today, removing from thence all the speckled and spotted cattle, all the brown cattle among the sheep, and all the spotted and speckled among the goats. And of such shall be my hire. So shall my righteousness answer for me in the time to come, when it shall come for my hire before thy face, everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and brown among the sheep uh, that shall be counted stolen with me and Laban said behold uh, I would my I would it might be according to thy word last verse and he removed that day the he goats that were ring straked and spotted and all the she goats that were speckled and spotted and everyone that had some white in it and all the brown among the sheep and gave them unto the hand of his sons let's go to the Lord in prayer Lord we thank you for your word today Lord use me 
ministry today. Uh, Lord, uh, we just need your word to come alive in our hearts and our minds, and only the Holy Spirit can do that. And Lord, we're asking uh, for help this morning. And Lord, I pray that no matter what situations in these pews, Lord, if there are lost, backslidden, confused, or, or strong Christians, Lord, I pray that every one of us can get something out of this word today. And Lord, you said your word would not return void. Lord, help me to preach. Help us to listen. And Lord, uh, uh, draw us closer to you. Save a soul today and bring revival. And all these things we ask in Jesus' name. And amen. amen. So Jacob, uh, remember Jacob's story, the popular ones in his life are at the beginning. Uh, you know, Jacob uh, tricks his father and, into giving him Esau, his older brother's blessing. So remember, uh, he puts on the hairy garment, he puts on Esau's clothes, uh, and he uh, tricks his uh, pretending that he had went out and caught the deer for his father and cooked it and made it ready. Uh, so he pretended to do that and kind of stole the blessing uh, from his father. And then Esau afterward wants to kill him. So he, uh, Jacob, is uh, basically going to be on the run. And so they send him to Laban's house, which is his mother's brother, uh, his uncle, uh, to go find a wife to marry. They didn't want him to wife, marry a wife from the Canaanites. They wanted to go back, uh, but his brother would defy uh, them and, and take a wife out of rebellion of the Canaanites. So those things happen. That's a popular story. That night, uh, he heads out. He sleeps. Uh, he finds a place to sleep, uses a pillow for a stone, uh, and he dreams and he sees this ladder going from earth to heaven. He sees angels ascending and descending and he sees the Lord on top. That sounds pretty good to me. I don't know about you. Uh, so that uh, dream of Jacob's ladder, that's another popular story. Uh, but the big thing in that story is the promise God made to Jacob. So Genesis 28, 13, if you want to turn there, you can or you don't have to, but it says, and behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac, the land wherein thou liest to give thee will I give it and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread upon the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the world be blessed. And, and behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest. And I will bring thee again unto this land for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken of thee. So the God gives uh, Jacob these promises and they're important ones. And, and here's the thing. If you're going through the Bible and you get a uh, some powerful promises like that, that are uh, some of them are specific to Jacob. Whenever you read after that point in Jacob's life, you need to think about those promises. Right? His life is defined by what God has promised to him. So every single story afterward, you need to think about those promises uh, and how they work. So the next popular story in Jacob's life uh, is he goes to Laban. He, he finds this well there. He meets Rachel. Uh, he falls in love with her. And he serves Laban seven years for Rachel. But then on the wedding night, Laban does a little uh, girl swap there and gives him his other daughter. Uh, and then he ends up serving seven more years. So 14 years he serves to marry Laban's two daughters. And now we're getting to the point of this story. 
So he has served his father-in-law Laban, who's a trickster as well. And, and here's the thing. Uh, Jacob's, he's getting what he's already done. Remember, he tricked Esau. He tricked uh, his father Isaac. And, and Galatians 6, 7 says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And that's still true today. So Jacob, the trickster, is now getting tricked as well. Uh, but now he spent 14 years. He's got 11 kids kids at this point that are going to become the 12 tribes of Israel uh, and he's 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 getting to this point in his life that verse 25 we get to the passage and it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph that Jacob said unto Laban his father-in-law who he'd been serving for 14 years send me away that I may go unto mine own place and to my country so 14 years after he saw the ladder right? 14 years after he had gotten the promises from God, finally Jacob is realizing, I don't belong here where Laban lives. Look, God gave me a promised land. He gave it to my grandfather Abraham, my father Isaac. He's given it to me. I'm not going to stay here 500 some miles away from where God wants me to be. I'm going back. That's what he's saying right here. I am going to where God wants me to be, the, where he promised me to be. And so Jacob is telling his father-in-law Laban, he said, hey, we're leaving. That's what he's saying. What's, so then we get uh, a Laban's response after that. We see, uh, uh, we see afterwards that, uh, that, that there he is and it came. Uh, so he's saying, send me away, give me the children. Uh, but then down in verse 27, he's saying this. Uh, and Laban said unto him, I pray thee, if I have found favor in thine eyes, tarry, for I have learned by experience that the Lord hath blessed thee, uh, blessed me for thy sake. So what, what's he saying right here? Uh, Laban does not want Jacob to leave. He doesn't want him to. Do you see that? He's saying, hey, he's trying to butter him up. He's saying, hey, you're a hard worker. You're a righteous man. You're an honest man. You fear God. Uh, that makes him valuable. And guess what? If you're a Christian today and you're righteous and you're God-fearing and you work hard, you're valuable to your employer too, whether they want to admit it or not. That's what he's saying. He's showering him with compliments. But what's he say after that? He's saying, uh, he's asking for these things. And then look at verse 28. And he said, appoint me thy wages and I will give it. You see that? He's saying, hey, uh, uh, what, you name your price. What, what will it take for you to stay? And we can read ahead in the passage and we can know the choice that Jacob made. He decides to stay for six more years. But let me ask you, what about you? The Lord's told you, you need to go back. You know where you need to be. Right? You know where, the, uh, the, where God wants you to. And you know that leaving at this point would require a lot of trust and faith uh, to go back. Uh, but uh, what do you choose? Do you choose trusting the Lord or do you choose the opportunity that's in front of you? Right? That's what we're seeing right here. This is what's going on. Do you postpone trusting in God and building up your own blessings or do you go? Verse 31, and he said, what shall I give thee? That's what he's asking. What do, you, what do you want? And Jacob said, thou shalt not give me anything. If thou will do this thing for me, I will again feed and keep thy flock. You know what the problem is? It, it, is Jacob knew what he needed to do, but now he's starting to wonder. 
And he's saying, you know what? I need, uh, I, I'm going to need some fox. I'm going to need some herd. I can't just go back empty-handed to the promised land. I'm going to need to build up some animals to take with me. And you know what he should have said to Laban? There's not a price you can pay me to stay here. Right? That's where it gets down to. That, that's where the rubber meets the road. It's right here where he's saying, hey, uh, what can I do to keep you here? And, and really the man of God, the woman of God should have said, hey, uh, there's no price. All right, I, I, are, are, we, are we understanding where we're at right here? See, the, the payment would, uh, so he was saying, hey, uh, you, you know, this would be great if I, I'll keep tearing, taking care of your flocks. I'll just keep some of them. We'll make out a deal. It sounds great. And then I'll be able to leave in a couple of years down the road. I'll have a good head start. Everything will be great for my, my growing family. And here's the problem. It doesn't take any faith to do that, Right? There's no faith required of Jacob to stay there and work for Laban six more years to get a bunch of animals. You know what the faith would have been? I don't need Laban's animals. I'm going to go let God take care of me like he promised. Right? Hebrews 11.1. 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith takes gaps in the evidence, right? Faith means we've got to trust God. And for Jacob, it would have definitely taken faith to take his young family, go make that a month-long journey back or, or longer, and get to where God wanted him to be almost to start over. But I guarantee if he would have left, God would have taken care of him right then and there. But he doesn't. See, walking by faith would have been trusting the Lord for these things. So we, we understand the problem, but here's where we start to see it ourselves. There's a lot of Labans out there willing to cut you a deal too, right? And then in fact, Laban today has incorporated. It's Laban LLC or Laban and Sons or something like that. And, and that company is ready to give you an offer. What will it take for you to do X, Y, Z, right? At what cost? Oh, the pay is great, right? You know what drives me crazy? I'll just, uh, I'll be a pastor for a minute here. I'll give you a little insight. It drives me crazy when somebody comes to me and says, I've got this new job opportunity. It's great. And the first thing you tell me about it is the pay. I'm thinking, mm, uh-oh. Because if that's the first thing, usually you're going to slide something in there later and say, oh, but I can't work Sundays anymore. Or I got to work every Sunday. I can't come to church anymore. Hmm. You're working for Laban is what you're doing. You're thinking, oh, Mike, now that's harsh. I, I don't know if I agree with that. Let me tell you a story from personal experience. A little while ago, I graduated from high school. All right. 18 needed a job, right? It wasn't, wasn't just going to not work. I needed a job. But I told the Lord, I don't want just any job. I want a job where I can serve you and not miss a single service. Yeah. Right? I was already playing the piano here, had been playing it for a couple years, was already, I think, co-teaching Sunday school and different things. At that time, I wanted to keep serving the Lord. The problem is, for an 18-year-old getting out of high school, the jobs don't really go together, right? You work retail, you work fast food, you do some job like that, and you're missing all kinds of stuff, right? Amen? But I said, I don't want those jobs, Lord. I want to keep serving you. 
And my goodness, I look back at it and I don't even know how I had that much faith or how I even took that kind of a stand, but I did. But here's the problem. Job didn't come the day one. Job didn't come day two. It began to be a week. It began to be two weeks. And guess what? There were voices saying, hey, you're not going to sit this whole summer and not work. So what did I have to do? I had to pray harder. I said, Lord, you've got to do this. I want this. I desire this. I want to work, but I want to serve you. Came on a Wednesday night, talking to Trisha Tuggle, Mark's wife. And she said, hey, we need you to come in and apply tomorrow at the bank. And a couple days later, I'm working at the bank. 21 and a half years later, my career has never gotten in the way of serving the Lord. So don't you dare tell me you can't get a job that will let you serve God. You just aren't trusting God. I can say that. I can say it. I remember I was crying to the Lord saying, Lord, give me this at 18. You can. He'll give it to you. I think some of us aren't serious. And we see that paycheck. Now, fast forward. Fast forward, you know me, going to college, going to working and doing all that stuff, getting degrees, piling them up and everything else, and yet the pay doesn't seem to go up as high, right? You ever have that happen? You improve yourself and the pay doesn't go up very high, right? Amen. I, I see some head nods. Amen. So then what happens? See, Laban tried at the beginning. You realize Laban has recruiters. Do you know that? Yeah. They'll call you. They'll call you out of the blue. Mike... We see your experience. We like what you have to offer, right? I've got the great opportunity for you. And I'm listening. I'm saying, well, what is it? Well, I need you. I can't remember if it was Hong Kong or Singapore. One of those two countries. We will triple your pay if you'll go there. Triple your pay. We'll pay to relocate you. We'll pay. I mean, the list went on and on, right? My goodness, I'm thinking, man, wow, what an opportunity. But then I talked to God, and he said, oh, Singapore, huh? Hong Kong, whatever it was. How are you going to keep serving here where I put you all the way in Singapore? Right? You can't commute. You can't drive. It's not going to work. And it was hard to say no. I'll act, I can't act like it was easy. It was hard. Three times. Three times the pay. You realize it'll never quit. Laban will never quit asking you, how much will it take? What will it take for me to get you? All right. So I've told you about myself. What's he saying? Uh, uh, verse 32, here's the deal. I'll pass through all the flock and remove. He starts to say here, I, I'm gonna take the speckled, the spotted, the brown uh, uh, of the goats, the sheep, the cattle, all these ones. Uh, and then he says, hey, if I take any more, basically in verse 33, if I take anything other than those, uh, I will have basically have stolen it from you. So here's the deal. And, and this seems a little confusing for us today. And I think this is why sometimes we skip over over it from time to time. But in those days, 
this was a job. If you were going to uh, keep a flock for somebody else, you would generally get paid 10 to 20 percent. Uh, uh, you would make that. You would get to keep those animals. And if they had produced milk or wool or anything like that, you'd get 10 to 20 percent. That was the norm in those days. But... One of the things I learned is that the brown, the spotted, the speckled, all those animals were worth less. Okay? So the, uh, the, the brown, what was it? The brown cattle were worth less uh, than the ones that were plain or, or, or unspeckled or different things like that. Uh, uh, you know, the brown sheep weren't as good, uh, weren't as worth as much money as the white ones or the black ones in those areas. Uh, so uh, what he was saying is he's saying, hey, I will take as my hire, I'll take the animals that are lesser value, and you keep the ones that are more valuable. He is giving Laban a great deal. He says, I'll serve you for them. Verse 34, Laban said, behold, I would, it might according to your word. He's saying, I agree in verse 34. Then 35, before the day's over, he removed that day the he goats that were ring straked and spotted and all the she goats that were speckled and spotted and everyone that had some white in it and all the brown among the sheep and he gave them to the hand of his sons. Do you see what he did right there? Here's the deal, right? You serve me, Jacob, Right? You keep these ones that are spotted, speckled, and everything else, and I'll keep the, Laban keeps the pure ones, right? As soon as he agreed to the deal, you know what Laban did? He rushed, and he pulled all those animals out and gave them to his son, tricking him again, again, right off the bat. You know what Laban does? He gives you this opportunity that's a great opportunity that you can't miss. Everything seems great. And before the day's even over, he's already pulling the rug out from under you. You know who does that? That's the devil. He will give you offers that are too good to be true. He will, whether it's a job, whether it's a relationship, whatever, he is always deceiving. He is like a used car salesman. He is pumping everything up. And at the end, it's all hollow promises. It's all fluff and everything else. And that's what's happening to Jacob yet again. He should have left. Yeah. Now look at him. Now look at him. He's taking the opportunity route. And here's what Laban's going to do. I'm going to get six years of labor out of him. And at the end, he's going to get almost nothing. Yeah. That's what Laban was going to do. That was the, the thing. So here's the opportunity. He's taking the, the deal. He's being deceived and everything else. And, and if you fast forward to the next chapter, after those six years, uh, Jacob says that Laban changes the terms 10 times. Wow. You know to make it better for him every time. But then, as we get to the end, we read a story like this in the Bible, and you think, okay, this is Jacob's life. It's historical. We're trying to figure out where Jacob got to where he was, how the children of Israel were established, you know, how the 12 tribes were born, all these different things. And you could stop and you could read through this and, and not even think about how does this apply to me? Right? How, how does a story like this apply, apply to us today? Because again, those promises to Jacob, that promised land, we can't lay a hold on that. I can't lay a hold uh, that the United States has this land promise that Israel does. We don't. And I, I can't lay a hold that uh, from my seed will come a great nation and kings and everything else because it's not going to happen. 
So that if you're reading this, you, you, should, you should wait and ask yourself, well, how can I apply it? More than just learning about Jacob's life and what he's done, how can I apply it to my life? And I think the answer of that is this. What promises can you and I cling to that will help us every day to make the right decisions and to live for God and to not take the deal that Laban has for us? I think that's what the key is right there. Amen. Amen. So Jacob got three. I've picked three out, but there's so many in the Bible. Here's one. Hebrews 3, or Hebrews 13, 5. This should, you, this should sound familiar. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Jacob got almost the exact same promise from the Lord. Jacob, uh, the Lord told Jacob, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. Even that time in Laban's land, I'll be with you. You come back to the promised land, I'll be with you. And guess what? We have the same promise today. We serve a God that will never abandon us. It doesn't matter how bad it gets. It doesn't matter how dark it gets. It doesn't matter how hopeless it gets. Our God will never leave us nor forsake us. And we can, I tell you what, that changes how you live each day if you would just take that promise and realize it every day. I'm telling you, this world will abandon you. This world will forsake you. It will do these things. Our own body will forsake us. In our own body, our health will go and everything else. But I'll tell you what, I've got a Lord that will never leave me. I'm looking back on 30 some years serving the Lord and I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt he's been there every step of the way I have forsaken him he has never forsaken me praise God that's a promise we can cling to and guess what that's a promise when Laban comes around you can realize hey uh, this job I'm telling you you may have the best job you've ever had right now and I say praise God that's great you may have a good manager uh, and you've had bad managers in the past praise God but it doesn't matter how good it is it'll end one day. Yeah. it'll end aren't you glad god will never end Amen. our relationship with him will never end that is why we get up here service after service trying to uh, trying to convince you and trying to show you the good news of the gospel of jesus christ so you will enter into a relationship with him and you'll have the best relationship you've ever had and it's never ending because it's eternal second promise of philippians 4:19 but my god shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory yeah. by Christ. Christ Jesus. I'm telling you what. See, that was one of the similar promises with Jacob, right? He was going to take care of him wherever he went. In fact, the Lord said, Jacob, I will not only bless you, but in you and your seed, all the families of the world will be blessed. So, you know, if he was blessing the whole world, he was going to get a blessing too, right? Amen. But what about us? God, but my God shall supply all your need. Now that's singular. It's not plural. Because we run around saying, I've got all these needs, don't we? They're really wants is what they are. I've got all these things I want, right? All of them. And then we go to God and then we get frustrated because he doesn't give us all our wants or our needs. But he says, I'll give you all your needs. Everything you really need, I will give to you. And I'll tell you one thing. Everything you need to serve him, he will definitely give you. Amen. Now, you may not have it before you need it, but when you need it, it'll be there. Yes. According to what? 
According to your bank account? No. According to how much money the church has? No. But according to his riches and yeah. glory by Christ Jesus. He's got it all. So your need, your need, everything. And see, this promise, that one's, that one's an easy one when everything's going all right, right? That's an easy one when you have everything that you, and your wants are being met. But I'll tell you what, uh, Jacob was facing leaving Laban's house with next to nothing. And God would have still taken care of him. He'll do the same thing for you and I. But I'll tell you what, all that energy that's wasted, worrying about our needs being met is a waste. But these two promises I've given you, they're unconditional. God's going to do that no matter what. He's going to, he'll never believe you. He'll supply all your need no matter what you do. Uh, uh, it, it's unconditional promise. We've talked about that. Uh, your needs are met. You're not alone. But now comes to the third promise. This one's conditional. This one's, you got to do something for it. Because you think about it. If I'm walking around and I'm not alone because the Lord's with me. And I, my need is met because of his riches and glory. Now, how do I do this? How do I face all the decisions I have to make? We have to make a lot of decisions. Big ones, little ones, and in-between ones. We've got to, how am I going to live today? How am I going to respond to certain situations? How am I going to, you know, big uh, decisions, career choices? How am I going to do that and live a life pleasing to God? Uh, how do I not fall for Laban's traps? Uh, how do I do all these things? And every other question in our life, this is the last promise. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That verse, those two verses start with this. Be careful for nothing. See, we don't say it that way. You know what we would say? Be anxious for nothing. Right. Don't stress over anything. Let that sit in for a second. All right, we'll read it again. If he's saying be careful for nothing, don't, don't, don't be anxious over anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made un known unto God. And then look at verse seven, right? He's talking about being anxious. That's why verse seven says, and the peace of God. You give him the anxiety, he'll give you peace, right? You give him the things that you're stressing over, you take it to him in prayer, and he'll give you peace and respond. It's a conditional promise. You have to do that. A Christian can sit and stress all day long, every day, for the rest of their life. Why? Because we won't take that promise, and many others like it. You can. You can be anxious for everything. You can. This world will help you stress over everything, yeah. right? Yeah. You turn on the news. I was talking to a coworker about this. You turn on the news. Our human brains were not built to know every problem in the world right down to the second live. Our brains were not built that way. We can't handle it. Yet this world is pumping it out and pumping it out. Why? Because the devil wants all of us dead. Yeah. What's this world doing? They can't handle it. They have no peace because they don't know Jesus Christ. So they're trying to find peace in other ways. Drugs and everything else. They've been building themselves up. And everything's collapsing. 
This world has no peace. And what happens to so many of them? They end their own life. That's what the devil wants. His, his ultimate goal would be for all of us to end our own lives. He would be none happier than that. Because he loves death. And he's a murderer from the beginning. And he hates us because we love God. But he's, God says, be careful for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Our anxiety is not going to solve anything. And what you're stressing out about, don't try to solve it yourself. That's what the verse is saying. Now, again, I'm saying this, and it's very easy to say, but a lot of it's coming back on me, and I'm thinking of specific instances where I've been frustrated and said, how are we going to get through this? I don't know how we're going to make it. Yet, God, once I take it to him, God gives me peace. He'll give you peace today, too. Amen. Because what the devil wants is he wants you to trust in Laban because he's behind Laban. The deception, the lies, the false promises, the getting you away from God's will. The devil is Laban and he's still working today. Oh, the Laban of this story is long gone, but the devil's still working today. We need to take these promises in our life. And when we get to a situation where the devil says, how much, right? How much will it take for you to walk away from God's will? How much will it take for you to trust me instead of God? We need to tell him there's no price. There's no price. He's priceless. Amen. He's taking care of me. He'll never leave me. And whatever I'm stressed about, I can take it back to him. Amen. Because he promised. That's just three promises. Told you I started reading through the Bible this year uh, using a paper Bible. One of the things I did differently is I've written down every promise of God that I can find. And again, I, I, I'm this far in, in the book of Genesis. And I've got page after page already of promises. It's shocking me already yeah. how many promises God's already made. And there's more and more and more. He's got everything we need. Don't you dare. Take Laban's deal. That's right. You know what the best deal is? The one Jesus Christ is offering. Amen. He'll save your soul. He'll forgive you of your sins. He'll do it for free because he's already paid for him. And guess what? He'll keep you every day of your life. He'll strengthen you. He'll draw you close to him. That's his deal. I'll take care of everything. In fact, I will underpromise and overdeliver. Unlike Laban, will pull the rug on you. He will. Yeah. I'm going to ask everyone to stand.